I want to start with a comic I once saw that reminds me of today's message. If any of y'all ever enjoyed comics, let me see your, your hand. Come on. I don't know. Are they still making comics? I'm talking about like the newspaper ones and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't even know where to find them anymore. But there was a comic, uh, The Wizard of Id. And I would just check the comments every, comics every once in a while. And I remember this one, which is, you know, set in like very early times in a royal kingdom. And, and the king is sitting on his throne. And his right-hand man comes and he whispers in his ear, um, Rodney is outside with a basket full of underwear. And the king says, oh, Lord, have mercy. All I asked Rodney to do was debrief the troops. Come on. <laughs> All right, come on. Listen, how many of you know we need a little bit of wisdom if we're going to win in our world today? And God wants us to have wisdom. And in case you don't know how your Bible is broken down, the two big things you need to know is there's an Old Testament that takes up about two-thirds of your word, and then a New Testament, which takes about one-third of your word. And in the Old Testament, um, there's even ways to, to, to identify different books. And one of them is Job falls into the books of wisdom. There are three books in the Old Testament that fall into the books of wisdom. Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. And so Job is one of these books that we wanted in there because there's a lot we can gain from it. We just don't always love how it had to go down for Job. And we certainly hope that Job's story is not our story. But even if we find ourselves running on empty at any time, Job's story gives us inspiration because we know the end is always better than the beginning. Can I get an amen? And we've been unpacking, uh, unpacking that a little bit. What do we do with innocent suffering? Some of our sufferings, not so innocent suffering. What happens when we reap what we sow? We've also talked about living a life of integrity. And we also talked about how when you engage your faith and when you activate your faith, it becomes so fulfilling that it makes a difference. And I want to tell you, this past weekend, we got to see that happen. Um, our small groups have just concluded for the semester. I want you to give it up for everybody who was in a small group. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, was that you? I'm so proud of you. Come on. Can you make it even louder for every small group leader who chooses to step out and make an environment where people can draw closer to God and get to know one another? And then this past week, we also concluded our freedom groups with a freedom conference where we got to see about 25 people truly, truly walking in freedom. And I'm talking about from 15, 16 years old all the way up. Come on. It was amazing. Come on. Y'all give it up for everybody. Who, that's why you're seeing a lot of light blue shirts with the Lyft logo. And they say freedom on the back because we had an amazing time this uh, uh, Friday night and Saturday morning in our freedom groups of people making a difference and God shows up and he does some amazing things but how many of you know we need some wisdom in this world to win and it's not it is by faith that we walk but I love that our God simultaneously also gives us wisdom so that our walk is it, it, we can put our left foot and our right foot walking in the light as he is in the light 
And so um, in this book of Job, we're talking today about some of that. And we need some wisdom on this book because some are like, Job's a book of wisdom. I need a, it's a head scratcher for me. In fact, one of our dream teamers sent me a picture of their, I don't know, he's, he's in middle school, early middle school, I think. And he goes to a Christian school. And he said, Pastor Drew, in this series, I've just got to tell you what my, my son has done. Uh, the, they sent home homework at uh, Salisbury Christian School. They sent home homework that says, um, what questions do you have about the Bible? And it had two blanks. And it said, name the book and name your question. And the first book was Song of Songs. And the question was, and I was like, oh, Lord, what's this young middle schooler going to ask about Song of Songs? The question was, who wrote it? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> pretty good question. I like that. That's respectable. Second question Book of Job, question is, did somebody get a job? <laughs> Come on, I love it. The book, the book is full of wisdom, but you have to go digging for it a little bit, and it is right there for you. So that's what I want to do today is preach a message. I've entitled Wisdom to Win, and we're going to jump right into the middle of Job 28. Fast recap, if you don't know the story, he was the wealthiest, healthiest um, man alive he lost everything in about 24 to 48 hours and then he is dealing with the lowest point in his life now we know it doesn't end there it ends better than the start was however there's a big valley in between and if you're running on empty or if you know someone who's running on empty you can identify with the valley in between and so I want to equip you today with wisdom to win and in Job 28, starting in verse 1 through 13, I want you to do me a favor as I read out this scripture. Every time you hear the word no, and let me clarify, the K-N-O-W, no, <laughs> I want you to say no after me, okay? No, 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 let's do this. Say no with me, okay? So you're going to have to be reading along. If I come across an N-O, no, that means no, don't say it. <laughs> so follow along with me. It says, people know where to mine for silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rock. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth far from where anyone lives they descend on ropes swinging back and forth down below the earth is melted as by fire yet here the rocks contain precious lapis lazuli and the dust contains gold these are treasures no bird of prey can see no falcons above eye can observe them yet people know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels into the rocks and they uncover precious stones. They even dam up the trickling streams and bring up uh, and bring to light hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it. I think Job is going to long-winded length. 
He thought I was a long-winded preacher. He's like, okay, jewels and treasures and emeralds are beneath the earth. We got it. Why is he going to painstaking measures to say, we've figured out everything there is to figure out about unseen things that we think are valuable. How about the unseen relationship with God? Do you see it as, as valuable? Are you willing to dig for it? Are you willing to mine for wisdom, or are we living just so happy-go-lucky? He's saying, if we understand how precious gold is and lapis lazuli, I think it's precious that they named it lapis lazuli and making us all say that out loud, right? If you understand how valuable it is, how come you don't know where to find wisdom? It's not on the surface all the time. You, it's not just all about common sense. You're going to have to mine for it. You're going to have to dig for it. And it's there to find. We know scripture says that it is, um, it is for the royalty of God to hide treasures and the royalty of kings to discover them. And so tell your neighbor, God wants you to discover some truths. See, I don't want you to miss the significance of this because um, um, if we know how to mine for jewels, then we need to mine for wisdom. And that is a frequent theme of the Old Testament. In fact, Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end leads to death. In other words, you can't just live on the surface. You're going to have to mine a little bit. You're going to have to go a little bit deeper. You're going to have to search for the ancient ways. Jeremiah says it that way in Jeremiah 6. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look for it. Ask for the ancient past, uh, uh, paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Somebody say rest. Isn't that what our souls want? Our, our souls want to find fulfillment. They want to find rest, but you're going to have to put the work in. And that's why I love one of my favorite scriptures is you're going to have to fight the good fight for your true faith. And in a valley, you're going to have to know how to mine for it. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to get a little bit of grit. You're not going to throw away, throw, throw in the towel so easy. We're going to develop perseverance. We're going to develop diligence. We're going to develop grit when we're going to go after it. You know, these scriptures are telling me that you can't just fill your tank up yourself. You have to come to God and ask him to fill it up. You know, sometimes when we're running on empty, we like to do it ourselves, don't we? Because as humans, we like to fix things ourselves. If we cause a problem, I want to fix it myself. And that's the problem of religion. Religion tries to tell you you can fix it if you try hard enough, pray hard enough, attend long enough, get on your knees long enough. But that's not how God works. The Bible says it's through a relationship that Jesus, even while you were still yet sinner, he did all the work. So that it is by grace you are saved. So he is the one who's going to be the one to fill your tank up. Now, have you ever driven through New Jersey before? Come on. So I know some people from Jersey up on in here, right? When I get on the turnpike, call this pride or call this frugality. But have you ever pulled off at one of those? I love those stations, those little turnpike stations, because it's got gas right there. It's got um, Annie Ann's on up in there. It's got Starbucks. 
It's got, it's got Wendy's. It's got everything you could want. It's even got, come on, Cinnabon up in there. Cinnabon for mom, baby. Come on. Listen, I buy it for my kid's mom, and I eat half. Anyway, I love those things, except I pull up to the gas station, and I think, why can't I pump my own gas? <laughs> Have you noticed that? I'm from the deep south of Louisiana. We let you pump your own gas. Here in Maryland, we let you. Maybe the frugality gets me. Maybe it's pride and the Lord's still working on me. I have pulled to those pumps before, and before I got to the place of no return, I went, nah, I'm going to do it. Y'all going to charge me extra to pump my gas, aren't y'all? Come on. I'm going to pinch my pennies elsewhere. Come on. And maybe it's pride. Pray for me. Your pastor is still, God's still working on him too. But aren't we that way with our own tank sometimes? I'll fill it up myself. I don't want somebody else filling it up. And I don't know about asking God to fill it up. I'm going to fill it up myself. And I think that that's many of us here who pridefully want to fix it ourselves. It sounds like this, Pastor, I'll come to church or I'll come back to church when I fix some things I've messed up. But we know that it's grace first. And then God does a fill-up in our lives. Amen? And so let's turn to him and find some wisdom to win. I'm going to give you six values before the valley. Six values before the valley. I'm going to go swiftly through some things and give you some things you could write down. It might be more helpful to open your camera app and take a picture of the slides. You can also afterwards go ahead and scan them things on an iPhone. And you could just copy it to your virtual notebook. If you have an Android, we're praying for you. You can't do that yet. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. All right. It's the age-old debate. Never gets old, right? Never gets old. We're going to get hate messages afterward. Android hate messages, it's okay. I'm willing to persevere. Perseverance is where it's at. Number one, six values before you even get to the valley. Because if you're not in a valley, we know that life is full of hills and valleys. Number one, pre-decide your faith. Pre-decide your faith. A lot of the decisions that you need to make before the valley is pre-deciding because once you're in the valley, we don't make the best decisions when we're at an emotional low and our tanks are running empty. Job 28, 23 and 28 says this, God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. I think one of the wisest things that we can do is realize you are not the wisest person in the room. I believe that even in this room, I'm not the wisest person, I'm not the most spiritual person. Yes, God's given me a gift, but I am blessed by approaching people knowing there are wiser, more experienced people, but even more so, God is the most wisest person in the room. Does that make sense? And sometimes when you get in a low, you can think you're all by yourself. I shouldn't have gone, I shouldn't have gone that high. I started way too high of a pitch, and, and then I, I had to continue so you knew. And, and I'm willing to persevere <laughs> and endure. But we have to realize that before we feel abandoned or before we feel like at a low, we got to realize we're not the wisest people in the room. And even Job realized this even at his lowest lows. And it says in verse 28, and this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. I like to say it this way. When you live in the fear of the Lord, you will never fear the Lord. 
It's when you don't live in the fear of the Lord. Oh, you will fear the Lord. You'll fear meeting the Lord. I find the wisest thing I could do is presence God all the time, even at the lowest, knowing you are still here. You are still on the throne. I am still accountable for my actions. And God, you will, if you got me to it, you're going to pull me through it. The wisest thing I can do is stay established to my faith. And since the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, then we must, we must trust God to carry me through any valley. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you with me. And so I have pre-decided before I get to any sort of valley that I am not going to renegotiate my faith. Maybe after the valley you could reestablish, but after the valley you will find God has been faithful the whole time shadowing you. Can I get an amen? I didn't, I didn't even know that uh, Jim Carrey had entered into a relationship with God. I don't stay up and up with celebrities, but my wife sent me this Instagram reel, and I thought it was appropriate for the sermon series. Watch this. I've had some challenges in the last couple of years myself, uh, and uh, ultimately, I believe that suffering leads to salvation. Uh, we have to somehow accept and not deny but feel our suffering, and then we make one of two decisions. We either decide to go through the gate of resentment, which leads to vengeance, which leads to self-harm, which leads to harm to others, or we go through the gate of forgiveness, which leads to grace. Just as Christ did on the cross, he suffered terribly, and he was broken by it to look upon the people who were causing that suffering or the situation that was causing that suffering with compassion and with forgiveness. And that's what opens the gates of heaven for all of us. Come on, Jim Carrey's preaching. Jim Carrey's preaching. He's saying before you get to the valley, pre-decide your faith. Number two, before you get to the valley, pre-decide your values. It is wise for you to pre-decide them because if you don't, you might entertain things too long that you never should have in the first place. When our tanks get empty, that's when our integrity really gets in question. It's when we feel depleted at the end of the day that we think we can eat whatever we want, say what, what, whatever we want, watch whatever we want, do whatever we want, consume whatever we want, right? It's when we are depleted that we are most uh, vulnerable to uh, uh, um, our integrity being compromised. So you have to pre-decide your values. Now, one thing that I don't want to do for you as your pastor is impose my values um, on you. But I do want to give you some things to think about. For example, is there ever a time when sex out of marriage can be an option? Is there ever a reason to abandon my family? Can I indulge in immorality or still, and still keep my faith intact? Do we want to be known for talking about everybody else? Are these negotiable under any circumstances? It's questions like these that you start to say, these are going to be values. And even when I am at an empty tank, I am going to maintain these values. And I think that the best values are biblically based. In fact, write this down. Convictions determined before a valley date make them easier to negotiate. 
Come on. Convictions determined before a valley date make them easier to negotiate. So when you get in a valley, you can actually make it through and wander through and negotiate the valley and get through the valley better when I have pre-decided my values and my convictions to live by. I've heard it said that convictions are like pilings that secure a boat in the storm. I'm from South Louisiana. I, my wife and I um, lived through Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Gustav because we were right outside of New Orleans. And any person who owns a boat knows that when a hurricane comes, they are going to secure their boat to a piling or they're going to get their a boat up on pilings. Why? Because while the water is going to get shaky and stormy and dangerous, these things are fixed. And if I don't secure an anchor myself to them my boat will be lost at sea it will be destroyed at sea and I think our souls need the same type of anchoring convictions and values that say no matter how stormy the waters get I am going to anchor myself to my faith and I want to tell you the anchor still holds come on and so I like how Pastor Wayne Corgiero says it there must be certain pilings driven so deeply into my soul that in times of crisis, they will serve as immovable, unquestionable anchors in my life. So here are some of my convictions. Once again, I'm not trying to impose them on you. A lot of them are biblically based, so maybe you can plug and play them in your life. But if it doesn't work for you, you figure out what God is saying your lines are. Here are some of mine uh, and, and, and our families To never get drunk. The Bible says not to ever get intoxicated. For us, we're never going to get drunk. My family does not even drink. And, and you, I, there is not a scripture for that other than I don't want to lead anybody else into stumbling. And it certainly is a gateway into further indulgences. Still, if you choose to, where is your conviction line on that? Uh, biblically, the Bible says that we should never be taking it too far into intoxication. Here's some other convictions. Never watch any movie or TV show with nudity, sexual promiscuity, or excessive language. If you're like, well, Pastor Drew, that means you're not watching anything. We felt that way too. Here's a great uh, tool you can use. Check out Bid Angel. I wish I, I, I got some sort of endorsement for saying that. But if you check out like VidAngel, Google search it, um, it is one of the most brilliant apps. We have it. It filters everything that we watch. And so you can tell it, I never want to hear F words. I never want to hear um, A words, but I'm okay with H-E-L-L. -L. I don't know. You can set your own uh, filters on it, and it just either mutes it or skips past it. So we get to watch things going. It's getting uh, hot in here on this scene. Is it about to go too far? Do I need the remote? It just skips right past it. Come on, baby. Helping a, helping a brother out. Never text the opposite sex without spouse being fully aware. This is just our convictions. Um, we do not use vulgar or offensive language. We, don't, uh, uh, we do apologize when we've hurt someone as painful as it is. We own it. Um, our first 10% of our income we bring back to God. And in, by the way, it's the last thing we will eliminate from our budget. Even, uh, even we will eliminate it uh, behind the electricity bill, the cable bill, the internet bill, uh, any other bill. Because we believe it's the first thing that we're supposed to bring. Um, and finally, we will be intentional to build the kingdom of God. So we serve, we lead small groups, and we still volunteer even if my job's at the church. Okay? 
So these are some of our convictions. You're going to have to decide what convictions you have because that's the thing you need to decide before the valley. Number three, is this helping anybody? Pre-decide to minimize speaking. The book of Job, the book of Job has something profound at the end. And I like it in the contemporary English version. God allows these humans to vent for like 37 chapters. Just talking, 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 talking. I wonder if Job could go back and go just erase like 28 of those chapters. But God allows it. Then when God speaks up, listen to some of his first words. Why do you talk so much when you know so little? That's powerful. That's like ouch to me. And so I want to pre-decide how much I'm going to speak when I'm in the valley. Because we know some people like to gripe to everybody. Debbie Downers or, uh, sorry if your name's Debbie. I don't mean to pick on you. Come on. come on. Pessimism, spewing it everywhere. Insults, uh, you know, mad. Everything's bad all the time. Job came to the revelation when he spoke up. He was like, he had to keep his mouth shut while God had his like three chapters. And then he was like, can I say something? Uh, the first thing I would like to say is this, 42 verse 3. You asked why I talk so much when I know so little. I have talked about things that are far beyond my understanding. The PDV version is, I don't know why I talk so much about things I know so little about. In the moment, I thought I, was a, I had a master's degree on the information. I thought I had figured you out. I thought I was God. But I realized I talked about things that were far superior to my understanding. And so you got to pre-decide, how much am I going to voice? And it might be wise to share it with one confidant, like maybe a therapist or, or maybe your spouse if, you, if they can handle it. But to go to work and tell everybody what just happened to you, to go to the ball field, to take it up in every conversation, for it to pervade every single thought, you've got to pre-decide how much am I going to speak. Because part of knowing he's God and I'm not is knowing he's got a plan even if I don't know what it is. So before I know what it is, here's a few values of how you can do that. Maybe you want to take a picture of these and apply it. Wait to speak till you've gathered the facts. Or wait to speak till you've prayed, at least. Minimize complaining. Be patient and persevering. Fix your thoughts. And that comes from Philippians 4 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise, or otherwise I will gripe and complain way too much. Number four, pre decide your patterns. Pre decide your patterns. The most violated commandment of the Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath. And keep it holy. You're going to have to predetermine what patterns is our family not going to negotiate on. And the most violated one is, it's for everybody, is oftentimes not resting enough. We like to burn the candles at both ends. We like to think that we will have to work all the time to keep up. And so did the Israelites when they got out of Egypt. The Bible says that God supernaturally produced manna six days in a row. And he fed people with daily bread. But he said on the seventh day, don't you dare go out there to try to harvest. Trust God in the sixth day that he will provide. Well, God 
God provided double on the sixth day, and yet many of them went out on the seventh day anyway. Why? It's my routine. This is what I do. I work. I'm a workaholic. Uh-huh. Isn't that funny? Isn't that admirable? Isn't that uh, honest? My business needs it. My family needs it. Your soul needs to imitate God and rest. I heard it this way. God created on six days, and he rested on the seventh. And the one part he wanted us to participate in is the resting. In other words, when you choose not to rest, you are saying to God, I know more than you, and I'm bigger than you. I have more important things to do than you because I don't have time to rest. You see? You see what I'm doing? And so you actually have to cause the Sabbath. Can I give you a sobering truth this morning? The world will go on without your involvement for one day. Can I give you a more sobering truth than that? The world will go on without you one day. So our soul needs to be reminded, I'm not all that. He's God. He's called me to rest. He can make up the gap. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Somebody say amen to sleep. Come on. So how do we do this one? Number, here's a few things to keep in mind. Don't miss church. Sabbathing is saying, I'm going to stop work. I'm going to stop my weekly pattern. And I'm going to put God first. So don't miss church. Here's the second one. Come to church. We have our live stream on in case you're sick or you're traveling or if you live out of town and you're blessed by this ministry. It is not for when I just don't feel like going because there is something powerful about being in the house of the Lord and worshiping together. And I know so many of y'all get that, but you need to come to church because I have a concern, guys. Um, I believe that the world is getting darker and darker, which means we need to have brighter and brighter lights. Well, we're not supposed to be individualized and isolated. So we need to prioritize the pattern of spending time with God. Can I get an amen? I have three girls. I just traveled to Texas this past week. I'll tell you a little bit more. But I was preaching at another church. And my wife showed me because I brought our oldest daughter with me. My wife, my wife showed me that even in Salisbury and our surrounding areas, there are my, uh, mysterious cars that seem to be doing human trafficking in our area. They are, I have dream teamers who have said, I live practically in isolation. And I've seen cars that seem way too shady taking a look at my girls in the front yard and I think man it's darker when we can't uh, even have our kids go outside and play right which means we need brighter lights than ever before and if we don't prioritize the pattern of church how are the next generation of lights how bright will they be it's our responsibility to even more so say never has there been a time where my kids could ever miss than right now because you know online, you might get your word, but your kids are not paying attention. Live stream's not working for kids, and that's why we put a lot of emphasis into kids' ministry. Here's a few more of mine. Serve two or more times a month at church. You're like, isn't that working? I'm building the Lord's house. I have abandoned my typical pattern, my, my pattern of going to work nine to five, and I'm taking up 
his pattern of building his house. And, and that's why we also say maybe serve two times a month or more. We always say serve one, sit one. In other words, you might work one, but rest one and receive in one. That's why we have two or more experiences all the time. Put your phone down for a day. Leave your email alone for a day. See your spouse and kids eye to eye instead of through the phone. Yes, honey, I see you. Yes, honey, I hear you. Come on, these are things that are helpful for me. And then finally, pre-decide to worship. And the band's going to come up because we're going to do this one. Job 121 says this, the Lord gives and he takes away. This was Job's first response to the first valley, the first gut punch. He says this, the Lord gives and he takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And some of you from the 90s worship are getting it. You're getting it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come on. Some of y'all flipping the hair already. Come on. <laughs> when my tank is empty, it gets refilled in the presence of God. So when we get empty, we even more so need to worship through the valley. Come on, Psalm 23, verses 1 and 5 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And verse 5 says, He, you fill my cup until it overflows. So in the presence of God, He will refuel your tanks. Here's some quick things on how to do that. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Or lift up your hands in the movie theater auditorium is the modern day version. Why? You're like, Pastor Drew, I've never understood that. Why do people lift their hands? It's them saying, I'm no longer in control. You are. I'm no longer the biggest idea in the room. I lift you up higher than myself. It's just expressing that. If you're, not uncom if you're uncomfortable with the high, just do the hold the TV. Come on, hold the TV. And then you can move to making it hold the widescreen. Come on. You get what I'm saying? You can start here. You can start here. Fall to your knees from time to time. Sing out loud. Clap your hands. Most importantly, connect your heart to God. Because you and I know we can know all the words and sing it like this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Or we can connect our hearts with God and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. So don't let the words just go by you today. Don't let the, move, the, 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 the music just pass you by. Why don't we all stand to our feet and we have reserved time that we can worship our way, whether you're in the valley or before we get to the valley. Let's worship him together and give him our best.
Let's bring it down. Just voices sing the chorus. We're going to sing the chorus together. Make our voices loud right here. So I will praise you on the mountain. I will praise you in the mountains in my way. Come on, you lead us right now. So good, Lift Church. Sounds so good. Would you just open your hands right now like you're going to receive a package from heaven as I bless you. Father, I bless every one of your people. And Father, I ask God that your blessing would be upon them, that no matter what is before them, what no matter what is ahead, that you would help them walk through every single situation where they honor you and the testimony comes through. God, I know that you are going to use that testimony to break the power of Satan's uh, lies to people. C come on, it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that we crush Satan's neck. So, Father, I thank you that even as some people are enduring hard times, Father, that you are walking through them. And so, Father, I bless them right now. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. And may he give you deep peace. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed, every eye still closed as you stand there. No one's moving around. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forward. But if you know this is my moment, I need to give my life to Christ. I really feel right now that God's saying there are people in here who say, and I need to give my life back to God. I've wandered from Him. It's been too long. And I just want to lay it all back down. No one's looking around. No one's, uh, uh, I'm going to be called forward. But I don't want you to be embarrassed right now to just raise your hand and say, Pastor Drew, that's me. Pray for me. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody? Yes. Thank you. If you're online, you say, that's me. I'm responding to God. I'm giving my life to Him. I want to surrender. Throw your hand up on line just right that's me and as a church we're going to pray with you i'm so grateful for the people who courageously said i'm in today come on can we celebrate right now those who have raised their hand all together as a church we're going to pray this but for those of you who raise your hand pray it with everything you got say jesus i give you my life you are now the lord of my life i know i have sinned I've fallen short of the standard, but I thank you that Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of every sin, every one of them. They are under the blood of Jesus. You hold them against me no longer because of what Jesus did for me. So I worship you, I honor you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said... Amen and amen. Why don't you celebrate as well?